Good morning, and welcome to Washera Community Church. My name is Lynette Booth, and I would like to give an extra welcome to those of you who maybe have only come a few times, or maybe this is even your first time. Welcome. Washera Community Church is a gathered group of Christians, and we come together, we exist to give meaningful and creative worship to God and to develop and discover disciples for Jesus Christ. We seek to love God and to love one another fervently. We have some announcements today. The first is that today is community day. Thank goodness the rain stopped. And we will have a barbecue, fellowship, and a concert by Derek Charles Johnson. You can see our bulletin, um, the website, or the newspaper to see the activities that are going on at church. June 25th will be our first day of pavilion praise, so you can look forward to that. And today is the second Sunday of the month. We take a benevolent offering as we exit the service. The ushers will collect it, and that is to help our church members who are in need. Now we have a scripture reading. Please join me. Acts 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and who does right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the Thursday and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the freedom and the privilege to gather together on this day, Lord, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for your everlasting love. We thank you, God, that you are unchanging that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, God, for the gifts and the talents that you have poured out in this church and the willingness of your body to serve one another. We pray that you would bless our time of worship, God. Anoint your word as it comes forth from the pulpit. Give us, Lord God, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe your word. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord to guide us into your truth. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, it's always dangerous when you bring children up front and uh, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. I had, a, I had a little tune going through my head this morning when I was here earlier. Uh, isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Eyes have seen, ears have heard. Tis recorded in God's word. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Now it sounds like you did not know that one. Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? Eyes have seen, ears have heard, tis recorded in God's word. Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? So yeah, there, now you'll have it going through your head. Um. A couple things to say before I get to the sermon. We'll be in Acts chapter 10 if you want to turn your Bible there. We'll be in Acts chapter 10. But a couple things to say um, before then. Last Sunday, you participated in a vote to affirm um, a couple elder nominees. At that time, at that time, we stated that it was unanimous. Well, after, the, after that, after that, we found three other ballots that were in the counting area. And so we want to make sure that we are clear and concise and accurate. And I, I've, I've polled everybody that was with that. And so those votes have been added to the official record. So one was affirmative and two were a split vote. And uh, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of that process. Thank you for praying for our elders. I'm thankful that we went from three to five. And that's wonderful. Um, but also for reading their bios, listening to their testimonies, and keeping them in prayer every day as they shepherd the flock, and as they get ready for a new shepherd to join them in shepherding this flock. So I want to I want to thank you for that. Uh, the second thing, um, last Sunday I started off the sermon talking about John the Baptist who was in prison um, because he stood on the word of God and at a point had to say something about it, and I talked about how. Um, we, we need to do that with gentleness and respect. And I wanted to just say again, I am so thankful we have something to stand upon, aren't you? I, I'm thankful that we do have the words of God that are our truth. And even in the word of God as our truth, it tells us how to share it. And that's why I said with gentleness and respect, but I, I wouldn't want us to think that that gentleness and respect is not without conviction because it comes with deep conviction. Um, we are not to be ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of it. Sometimes it comes out in boldness. Sometimes it comes out with tears coming down our faces because we're holding on to what God has said. Sometimes it's even trembling. So as we, as we stand on God's word and he instructs us on how to say it when we have an opportunity to say it, that we, we take his instruction in that avenue also. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 10. Um, we are talking this month about initiating relationships and, and being in consistent community. So we're taking these five months, 
And we're looking at Jesus' discipleship practices with his disciples. How did Jesus disciple the disciples and saying, okay, we need to learn from these. We need to learn from these. And so this time, I, I titled this Two Conversions. And it's probably not the right word to use there on both of these. But one of salvation or one to salvation in this passage of scripture. And one, it should probably say one in sanctification. Because there's one person who's saved and is being sanctified, is growing in Christ's likeness. And there's a process, there's a change that happens in this one in sanctification. And so we have three um, main characters. We have Cornelius, Peter, and Jesus in this passage of scripture. And then my alliteration just keeps going here. So we got Cornelius, who's a centurion. We've got Peter, who's a courier, who's giving the message. And then we have Jesus, who's the Christ. And then we have Cornelius, who's a soldier. And then we have Peter, who's the saved. And then we have Jesus, who's the savior. And then we have Cornelius as a Roman. We have Peter as a ransomed. And then we have Jesus as the redeemer. And I had like six others, but I stopped there. Yeah. And we're going to take this, it's kind of a flyby. We're going to take huge um, portions of this uh, as we go through. So Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1, 1 through 8, the first thing is, what do we know about Cornelius? What do we know about Cornelius? A lot. It says, at Caesarea, and that's a town on the Mediterranean Sea, there was a man, so he's a man, named Cornelius, got his name, a centurion. Now, a centurion is a soldier. He's a leader of soldiers. He's a leader of a hundred soldiers. And it, it was, he was a centurion, what was known as the Italian regiment or cohort. In a regiment or cohort were 600 men. So he was one of six centurions in this Italian regiment leading a hundred soldiers. He and all his family, verse 2, so now we know he's got a family, were devout and God-fearing. Now, when those words are used in the scriptures, um, many times, most of the times, what it means is it's a person who believes in the God of the Israelites, believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, 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 and God-fearing means there's a reverence for this God. There's a reverence for this God. And such a reverence for his God that the next phrase, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So there was a response that came out of this reverence for this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would turn his sights outward and see people in need and help them. And also, he would talk to God in prayer. Verse 3, one day about three in the afternoon, or some versions might say the ninth hour, when it says it like that, it's meaning you're counting from 6 o'clock in the morning. And you count out 9, 9, you get to 3 in the afternoon. He had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Now, this happens in the Bible at times, where an angel, a messenger of God will come. And we see that with Mary, with Paul, with Ananias, with Zechariah, a whole bunch of them. And then Cornelius stared at him in fear. That's a natural response in the Bible when an angel appears. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You, you remember that one, don't you? Um, the angel answered and said, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the world, Cornelius is a good man. He's a good man. 
He's doing good things. He's, he's thinking of others. He's, he's got a respect for authority. In the eyes of the world, he's a good man. But you get a sense here from the angel, something is missing. Something is missing that he needs. We're going to see, see what that is. Verse 5, now send men to Joppa. Now that's another town on the Mediterranean Sea, about 30 miles, 31, 35 miles south uh, down the coast. And bring back to a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now, later on in this passage, we're gonna, we learn something about Peter right now. But later on in the passage, he's going to make a really bold statement. He's going to draw a line in the sand. Okay, but he's also, we learned something here about Peter, that the process is happening in Peter's life, because he's saying at the tanner's house, a tanner is someone who deals with dead animals, and most of the time, almost all of the time, the tanner would have been deemed unclean, unclean. And, and not be able to go into the synagogue or, or, or the temple area or anything like that because he was unclean. But where is Peter staying? He's staying at the tanner's house. So you see there's a, there's, it's like, okay, when you see the statement he makes, you'll go, but, but he made a decision already that somehow he justified that it was okay to stay at this Jewish man's house who was deemed unclean, okay? That's just supposed to just hang there for a little bit, okay? When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called his two servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. So he's got three men, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now we go to verses 9 through 16. About noon, or the sixth hour, the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. Now, this is really great because what is Peter doing? He's practicing prayer. Who taught him how to pray? Jesus taught him how to pray. And also, he's, he's taking his personal space to be with God. We talked about that last week, about that being important. And the whole idea that a Jewish home has a flat roof, and it's an extension of the home, and that's where he is. He became hungry, verse 10, and wanting something to eat. So he calls down, is lunch ready? Is lunch ready? And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Verse 13, then a voice told him, get up. Now we'll see this three times. He says, get up. Peter, kill and eat. Here's his statement. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. There's the line in the sand. You hear the line in the sand? I have never. Now, I put up there, um, this is a new direct order that's given in verse 13. But old Peter emerges. Old Peter emerges. I'm going to flip over here to Matthew chapter 26. You're going to hear this kind of same verbiage that comes out of Peter's mouth. When uh, Jesus tells the disciples that they're going to leave, they're going to flee, 
they're going to leave him. It says this, then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Listen to what Peter says. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never. I will. And you know what he did, right? You know what he did. Let me give you another one, just a context here. In John chapter 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And he comes up to Peter. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. And then Peter says, no, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You get the pattern here of what Peter does? Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, just not my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So he's kind of ordering the master around here. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. So old Old Peter emerges here when he sees the sheet come down of clean and unclean animals. And the direct order says, get up, kill, and eat. Now, Jesus has talked about this before in Mark chapter 7 when he, when he talked about um, what makes a man clean and unclean. And in verse seven, chapter 7 and verse 19 of Mark, he says, for it doesn't go into the heart doesn't go into the heart that makes a man unclean, but into his, it goes into his stomach and then out of his body. Sorry about that analogy, but that's what Jesus said. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He declared them all clean. And then in Galatians, I wanted to go here because here's, I think, we start to see the application of this vision. In Galatians chapter 3, and starting at verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all who are one in Christ Jesus, if you belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, either Jew or Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise according to his promise. We go back to the passage of scripture. It says in verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. God has made clean. This happened three times. That should be a cue to Peter. He denied him three times. Jesus came back and restored him three times by saying, do you love me more than these? And then immediately the sheet was taken up back into heaven. That would remind him of the ascension that he watched of Jesus going into heaven. Now, verse 17, while Peter was wondering, he was perplexed about the meaning of this vision. The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and, and stopped at the gate. So when he sees the sheet come down with these clean and unclean animals on them, what had happened is that God did give in the Old Testament them regulations, things that they were to eat and not eat. 
things that would distinguish them from others. Okay? Distinguish them from others. And it was good for them to follow those. But what they did was they took those regulations, those rules, those laws that God gave to them, and they turned them into something else. And pretty soon, the Jews were calling the non-Jews by unclean animal names. They would call them dogs. They would call them any unclean animal names, and it was a derogatory term toward them. They used it as a weapon against them. Peter is re reflecting on this vision, but he's not yet resolved, and he's going to get another direct order. They called out verse 18 and asked Simon if, if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still reflecting, he's still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, here comes another direct order, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up. There it is the second time. And go downstairs. Do not hesitate, it says, to go with them, for I have sent them. Now watch Peter's response. Verse 21. G Peter went down and said to them, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Does that sound like do not hesitate? Now it doesn't sound like do not hesitate to me, not as a parent to a child. No, when I say move, what do I mean? Move. Yeah, I'm expecting Peter to come down and, and, and they, we're here, and he's, let's go. He does not do that. I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. So he could hear what you have to say. In the Bible, centurions are seen in a very good light um, that because of their loyalty. So we see the centurion at Capernaum, and he has a servant who is ill. And he comes to Jesus, and he, he asks Jesus if he would come. And he even tells Jesus, all you got to do, Jesus, is say the word. Because I'm a centurion, all I have to do is say the word, and people follow. He says, that's all you got to do. Another one's at the cross, when Jesus is at the cross, uh, his death on the cross. After his death on the cross, the centurion says, truly, this is God's son. Truly, this is God's son. And then the shipwreck that Paul is on, Paul's on the shipwreck. And at the beginning of the ship journey, the centurion is listening to the captain of the ship. But by the time the end of the, of the journey, and, and Paul is the one saying, nobody's going to die and everything, the centurion starts standing with Paul. Whatever the prisoner says, that's what we're going to do, kind of thing. Always seen there. But here's the something more. He says, there's something I need to hear that you have to say, Peter. Something that I need to hear that you have to say. Verse 23, then Peter invited them into the house as his guests. And the next day they started out and went with them. And some believers from Joppa went along. In Acts chapter 11, um, you, you can read that most likely there's six others that go along with him. So six, and Peter's seven, and then three more, and there's ten. Verse 24, the following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting him, and he called him together with his relatives and all his close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. So he, he goes into the stance of worship of him. And, and, and Peter made him get up. There it is again. Stand up, he said. 
I am only a man myself. Just as reflection, we've seen this before. Paul and Barnabas did, a, uh, there was a miracle. And what did the people do? They wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas. What did Paul and Barnabas do? Man, they ripped their clothing and said, no, don't do that. John, writing the book of Revelation, and he bows down before the angel. And what's the angel do? Get up. No, you do. we only bow and, and, and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see him continuing to understand here um, this understanding of what God has said. So it says, talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Verse 28, he said to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile and, and, or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So he's starting to understand that this vision, this vision of a sheet with these clean and unclean animals is not about unclean and unclean animals. It's about clean and unclean people. That I, I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And he brings up that whole point that you know, you know that in our laws, in our laws, you know, we shouldn't even be in the same room together. They had 619 laws, something like that. And again, I'll stress this again, and I'll stress it at the end. God puts some lines in the sand. But lots of times we make these other laws. And usually for good reason, to keep us from going over that line. And usually they're for good reasons. But sometimes we make these laws as important as that one. We make these laws like God's law. And then sometimes what we do, just like the Jewish people did, we turn these laws into a judgment of other people. Peter's coming to this realization, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Ah, Peter, wait a minute. I thought you said, why are you here? May I ask you why you have sent me? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. So he's describing the angel. And he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest of the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent to, for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God, here again, to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Again, there's something more. There's something that he needs to hear that needs to come from the lips of Peter. Needs to come from the lips of Peter. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. I now realize. So here is Peter going through this act of sanctification, of becoming more Christ-like. He, he realized he's come to this point to realize, wait a minute, what I was doing before was not right in judging people and calling them impure and unclean, who God makes clean. He goes on to say there, well, and it, he accepts verse Verse 35, he began to speak, God does not show favoritism, but accepts 
The word for accepts there means welcome, to take by the hand, to receive. It's not about salvation, but it's that God, God takes by the hand from every nation, from every nation, not just the Jewish nation, but from every nation, the one who fears him and does what's right. He takes those people by the hand. He's drawing them in. And who's he describing there? He's describing Cornelius in verses 1 and 2. That's exactly who Cornelius is. And then he goes on to that beautiful passage that we read. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And just stop there. Who's he telling this to? He's telling it to a Roman. Who is Lord of all for the Roman? Caesar. Caesar is Lord. And Peter's standing there before a Roman centurion saying, no, Jesus, Jesus is Lord of all. He goes on to say, you know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee from the baptism that John preached, uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with whom the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And we, the apostles, are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and Jerusalem, and they killed him by hanging on a tree. I'll stop right there to say, Peter told Cornelius and the company about Jesus. That's what they needed to hear. They needed to hear about Jesus. And as he goes through this part, he, he brings out Jesus' life. This is what he did. He was healing all these people and everything. He brings out about his death that they hung him on a tree. And then the third thing, you'll see this in the next, in the next verse here, but, verse 40, that's probably the biggest but in the Bible right there. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He talked about his life, his death, and his resurrection. He goes on to say, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So it's evident-based, and it's also an eyewitness account that Jesus rose from the dead. Verse 42, he commanded us to preach or proclaim to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So this Jesus who came to seek and save the lost, and he's still seeking and saving the lost, He's still got his lasso of love going, trying to catch people. He is the judge, though. He is the decider of the living and the dead. And then verse 43 in the Old Testament, it says, all the prophets testify about him and everyone who believes. And we talked about this last week. This is a deep word. Believes means to be persuaded of a conviction of a truth. To be persuaded of the conviction of the truth. And what is the truth? It's everything that Peter just said about Jesus. That Jesus came, that he died, and that he rose again. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That Jesus, uh, who knew no sin, became sin for us. All of that about Jesus. You're persuaded of the conviction of a truth. Everyone who believes in his name receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Then it says, while, while, while 
Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. That word for tongues there means languages. And they're going to relate this back to what happened to them at Pentecost. On Pentecost Day, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit came upon them, the ones that were in the upper room, and they were able to speak these other languages so that everybody that was assembled there would be able to hear in their own language about this Jesus. About this Jesus. And here it's happening again. And actually there's three or four times in the book of Acts. And what it does is a sign to them that, wait a minute, what was the Great Commission? He would be in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uh, outermost parts of the ends of the earth. And in the book of Acts, what's wonderful is that they see that happening as you track it through. So verse 47, Peter says, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Uh, baptism means to dip, immerse, submerge. But baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. They're saying, hey, there's something inward that has happened here that is of God. We should follow it with this outward sign for them to give testimony of what has happened to them. That's baptism. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Some people make a big deal about that, about it. It's not like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit kind of thing. I just look at that and go, well, they're already believers in God. <laughs> and, and, and the Holy Spirit has come upon them. So all we got to do is mix in Jesus now. Okay, we got the other two there. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days, a few days. And that would be a very important time. Now, there are three M's are in here. Because our message is who? Jesus. And so we see that. The other M of motive, our motive is love. And Peter's love is increasing. He's got a love for God, but he's now increasing in the size of his love for others. And then the third one is the method. That there's this community, there's this discipleship that is happening around Cornelius and Peter stays with them a few days. Stays with a few days. So, let's wrap this up. What does this have to do with initiating relationships and being in consistent community? Number one, even good people need to hear about Jesus. Now, and that's in quotation, that good is in quotation. You know, in, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the world, the people who are good, they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. Number two, beware of man-made rules that are not Bible-based. This, How does this relate? Because if you make some of your man-made rules and turn them into judgments of others, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll cut off initiating relationships and you'll cut off being in consistent community, except for the people who are just exactly like you. And you're still not sure about them. Okay? I'm saying this from experience. I grew up in a church that was very legalistic. When we talk about the Jewish people having 619 rules, you know, to keep the one rule kind of thing. Yeah, I grew up in that kind of a scenario. And I assume that some of the lines in the sand that were created were created in a good sense, you know, to protect you from not going over that last line. But what I saw is that they became weapons 
of weapons against others who didn't follow the same exact practices that we did. You know? And I, I mean, I'm standing in front of a bunch of people right this morning that, that in my old time, I wouldn't even be here with you people. Some of the things you do, ugh. But then I have people that I grew up with and lived in that system would look at me now and go, man, he's fallen away from the Lord. Yeah, he really has. Boy, Adam's gone off the deep end kind of thing. We really have to beware that we make these man-made rules, which convictions that we, as long as you hold them as a conviction that keeps you on track with God. But if it turns into a weapon, that's what Peter realizes. Wait a minute, I've turned this into a weapon. And I'm starting to call people unclean that God has made clean. Number three, it's a privilege to proclaim Jesus. Keep it there. It's a privilege when you have the opportunity to share with that person. And when you do, keep it on Jesus. Tell that person about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how he's touched your life. Don't talk about, don't make it all about you. But make it about him. There was a church, I was preaching this whole series on evangelism and just different ways you could share your faith. And I got to the fourth week and I realized, wait a minute, I've told them four different times, four different ways about coming to faith in Christ. I just said, is there anybody here <laughs> who's heard this four times? Is there anybody here that you've, you've turned your life over to Jesus Christ? And they're silent. Nobody said anything. Um, but two in the afternoon, I got a call, and this young man called me and said, can I meet you tomorrow morning? And I said, yeah. And I'm thinking, it's softball season. He wants to know if he can be on the softball team and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We sat in the back row of the, of the church, sat down. I said, what can I do for you? You know? He said, can you tell me one more time? I said, tell you one more time what? Can you tell me one more time about Jesus? And I went, oh, yeah. So I had an opportunity to tell him one more time about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, I, I want Jesus, to, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Yeah. Keep it focused on Jesus. Um, and last one, keep in surrender mode to God's word. That's what Peter's doing here. God's giving him direction and order, and he has to surrender to what God has said. Get up, kill, and eat. He's had to do that. He's had to do that. I've given you these engagement points. First one, stay for community days today. Stay for community days today. You've got an extended time to meet with the people that you worship with and to get to know some of the people that are uh, around you. I'm thankful for um, our singles group. we got a singles group that meets the second, sun second Sunday of every month. And, and they've lifted their, their times together to be with the greater community. And they'll be back together in September. But to do that, because this community and knowing our community is really good. Number two, initiate a conversation with someone you don't know. As I said before, you probably, you don't know everybody here. So initiate a conversation with someone you don't know. Hopefully it leads to another one. Number three, ask God, and here's that prayer part of it. To open your eyes to see, your ears to listen, your hands to help, your heart to have love for those he's put around you. Ask him, pray to him for you to take all those parts and help you to see that he has placed around you people 
that he wants you to love and speak to. And maybe some of them need to hear what you have to say. And then last one, I I dropped off reach all week because we're done with that. But for some of us, we need to recommit to this body of believers as your spiritual family to help you become Christ-like. Some of us, that's us. We need to recommit to this body of believers. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've gotten into a habit, you just kind of come in and go out. And that's, that's about it. That's about it. You've kind of checked out of the rest of, of church life and body life that is here. And you need to recommit to this body of believers to say, this is where I grow in Christ-likeness with this group of people. And maybe I need to you know, say that right at the camera because I know that there are people still out there that are listening and have not made it back to this group of people. And you need to recommit, recommit to this body of believers that God has put you in. And then as was said before, we'll have our pavilion praise as a follow-up on Sunday, June 25th at 5 p.m. The idea behind that is we do a little scripture, we do a little song, but then we do some sharing and say, God, and, and we share with one another how God has touched our, touched our lives this month, what he's, what he's been doing, maybe the relationship that I've started with somebody else. I got to know this person, you know, and we get to encourage one another as we fulfill this initiating relationships and being in consistent community. Amen? Amen. Uh, we are very thankful for community days, and we are thankful that part of our community days is to have Derek Charles Johnson with us. He's going to come up at this time, and he's going to close off the service in, um, in song, but he's going to be doing a concert after we eat, after we have the barbecue. He's going to be doing a concert afterwards, and uh, get your lawn chair and, and, and be out on the hill in the back here for that to happen. Now, as he sings and starts to play, um, you know how to text, don't you? Yeah. So text your friend and say, hey, meet us at the church. I just heard this guy sing. You need to come hear him sing. And bring my sweater. <laughs> and one for Derek. Please. <laughs> one for Derek. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a challenging passage of Scripture, Lord, where Peter, the saved, uh, needs to make a needs to make an adjustment um, so that he does not look at Cornelius as someone unclean, but to see that someone that you are drawing in, you're lassoing in with your love, and and that Peter has an opportunity to share you with him. And so, Lord, I pray that you will continue to work in our lives, that we realize that you're bringing people around us. You're bringing people around us that we need to engage with, um, share our lives with. And Lord, when your Holy Spirit gives the opportunity that we share the hope that is within us, and that hope is you, Jesus Christ. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Do a little worship together. Well, all right, all right. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Um, I guess I'll I'll bless the meal too at this time. I probably should do that. Um, but all the food is out at the pavilion, 
And uh, we invite you to stay and have a meal with us. And then later on, after we get some food in our bellies, then we'll move over to the hill and, and hear some more of this great music. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And Lord, we do want to thank you for um, the blessing to be able to have a meal together. Thank you for all the hands that help prepare this and to put all the things in place, Lord, so that we, so we can have this time together. And we do ask your blessing upon the concert, too, that the words that are sung and that we sing along, Lord, would, would lift our, our sights, that it would be firmly on you, our Christ and our Lord and our Savior and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless your week.